Mark 11, 22, 23. This is part two. This is part two of um, the significance of what you say. The significance of what you say. Part two. Mark 11, 22, 23. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, <laughs> um, um, we'll just quickly just review a few of the high points from last time. Uh, last meeting's uh, uh, is on the website, so you can go back and listen to it, and I suggest that you do and catch up with us, but we will quickly review uh, what we talked about last time. Jesus said here that saying is required to having faith in God. When he says have faith in God, he then immediately gives us the practical application of how to have faith in God and how to release faith in God. And he says, if you would say, if you would say, believe in your heart that what you say is coming to pass, it will happen in your life. In these two verses, Jesus said there are only two conditions to receive whatever you say. Number one is believing. Number two is speaking. You believe in your heart that what you say comes to pass. And uh, you have to say the thing that you are believing in order for the thing that you're saying to happen. We not only have to believe God's word, we also have to believe in the significance of our words and the combination of our heart and mouth in agreement will always bring it to pass. Has this principle ever worked for anybody in here besides me? Okay? Praise God. Did it make you excited when it happened? Yeah. Praise God. It made me excited. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you think it could work again? Yeah? Yeah? Believing so. Keep believing. We're not letting go. We're not letting go. Keep saying. Hallelujah. It's obvious most Christians do not believe that they have what they say because of the way that they talk. And People who do not understand this principle are quick to ridicule and mock us because they don't uh, understand the significance of their words. This is a Bible principle, a spiritual law established by God, and we either work it for us 
or we work it against us. We need a revelation of the role that words play in our life and in the plan of God. In verse 23, Jesus is not talking about praying. He's talking about saying what you say. And when you pray, in verse 24, he's talking about praying. And when you pray, once you believe you receive it, then everything you say after you pray must be in agreement with what you prayed. You can pray a powerful prayer of faith, and then if you go out two hours from now and start saying negative things and doubt and unbelief, you just undid your prayer of faith. So we don't want to do that. We said words are not just for communication, they're for creation. And we're to take our words and God's word and create a life of blessing and health and victory and success on this earth, now in this lifetime. We talked about faith is not feelings. Faith is not Baptist, Methodist, Catholic. Faith is when you decide to take God and his word with no other evidence. That's faith. And one of the primary ways to become a doer of the word is to begin to speak the word of God consistently over your life. So if, you know, people are just getting started, they say, how do I become a doer of the word? How do I act on the word? Well, the first step would be start speaking the word of God consistently over your life. And then anything else the Lord prompts you to do, do it. But step number one, begin to speak God's word over your life. We looked at James chapter 3 verse 2 where he said, your words are connected to your body. In the Living Bible, it says, if anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. And Satan deceives people so that they uh, cannot connect what they say with what they're having. And he, he clouds the issue, and one thing he uses is, is time. People can say something negative, and it may not come to pass till six months later. And when it happens in six months, they can't connect the dots that this happened because of what I said six months ago. And that, that's, that's another area that he clouds people's thinking. So we talked about the importance of being selective with your words and not having a loose mouth. Uh, you can't just talk junk that you don't mean and, and say things and, and then go back in a while and say, well, I didn't really mean that, and then turn around you know, the next day and say, okay, let's get together and we're going to say something in faith and it's going to come to pass. It won't because your heart doesn't believe it. If you just talk junk all the time and say things you don't mean, your heart won't believe what you say in faith. So only say what you want to come to pass. And we're training our spirit to believe that we really mean every word we say. 
Now, uh, in James 3, he compares the mouth to the rudder on a ship. Now, in those days, you know, ship travel was a very common means of travel. It's not so common today, except people go on holidays on a ship. That's about, or they cargo, but that's about it. If he were riding this today, he probably wouldn't use the rudder on a ship. He would probably use the steering wheel on your car. Your mouth is like the steering wheel on your car. If you're in the car and your hands are on the wheel and you're headed toward Bournemouth, but you want to go to Yorkshire, you're never going to get to Yorkshire just sitting there with your hands on the wheel continuing to head toward Bournemouth. And you can't say, I don't want to go to Bournemouth. I don't want to go to Bournemouth. God, please help me. I don't want to go to Bournemouth. No, you got to turn the steering wheel on that car and get it turned around and start heading that car north if you want to get to Yorkshire. And there are Christians who keep saying, I'm sick, and they wonder why they never get healed. They say, I'm this, I'm that, I don't have this, I don't have that. And they wonder why nothing ever changes, and they keep getting the same outcome. James said, our mouth is the steering wheel of our life. If our circumstances are not going the direction we want them to go, turn the steering wheel. Amen? Hallelujah. Turn the steering wheel. You remember, I think maybe it was last year when we talked about uh, Thanksgiving and having, you know, thanks, having a thankful heart and all that. And you may remember the little story I told about the man who was addicted to cigarettes. And he came to this preacher and he said, uh, can you help me? And he said, well, uh, you know, if I can, I will. He said, uh, I've tried everything to stop smoking. I can't stop smoking. No matter what I do, I can't stop smoking. I've been prayed for. I've had people cast things out of me. I've had them pray things over me. Uh, I've thrown cigarettes away. I've had the nicotine patches. I've chewed the gum. I've done everything, but no matter what I do, I can't stop smoking. And he must have said that 15 times in the first minute of the conversation. And uh, so he said, don't tell me to throw them away. He said, no, I'm not going to tell you to throw them away. He said, well, you do what I tell you to do. He said, well, if I can, I will. He says, you can do it. He said, from this moment forward, never again say, I cannot stop smoking. He said, every time you buy a package of cigarettes, I want you to say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. Every time you take one out of the package, I want you to say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. Every time you light one up, say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. In between every puff, Thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. Every, every time you put one out, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. He said, but I'm going to be smoking. He said, it's okay, just say it. He said, but I'm going to be smoking. How can I say I'm free from cigarettes? He said, 
just do what I say, will you do what I say? So finally, he said, okay, I don't get it, but I'll do what you, what you say. So he left. And several weeks later, he came back. He came in the door with a big smile on his face. He said, guess what? He said, tell me. He said, I'm free from cigarettes. He said, you're not just saying that. He said, no, I am really, really free from cigarettes. He said, I did what you said. He said, every time I took a puff, I said, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. Every time I bought a package, I said, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. At night, I, the last thing, I'd put one out at the bedside. I'd say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. And he said, one day, I was standing on the street corner smoking a cigarette. And I was waiting for the light to change. And he said, I took a puff. And I put it down and I put it out. And I said, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. And he said, something hit me. And he said, from that point onward, I have never wanted another cigarette. I have not desired another cigarette. I have not had a cigarette. I am totally, completely free. Now, did this man have a problem with cigarettes? No. He had a problem with his mouth. That was his problem. Cigarettes are not permanent. That's not an impossible situation. Quitting smoking is not impossible, and it's not permanent. Arthritis is not permanent. Cancer is not permanent. High blood pressure is not permanent. These are all anything in this natural realm. It's temporary and subject to change, Paul told us. So, your confession, he had been prayed for. He went from one church meeting to another, getting people to pray for him, and all the time, he was snared by the words of his mouth. And all the prayers he had had, he was undoing them every time he said, I can't quit smoking. So, let's say this together. We're coming out. The favor of the Lord is upon me. And my enemies do not triumph over me. I'm getting stronger. My heartbeat is normal. My eyes are getting stronger. I have more than enough money to pay my bills and to give generously. Amen. And according to the New Testament, it will turn. Now, we can all slip up, and, uh, you know, we should be listening to what we say and recognize it when we slip up. And when we recognize it, immediately stop and correct it. Say, no, I didn't mean that. I take those words back. I command them to fall to the ground and die instantly. And I render those words powerless, helpless, ineffective to come to pass. And as you catch yourself saying something that you don't want to happen and you correct yourself, that is progress. You are growing spiritually and you are making progress. So you can be encouraged. You're making progress. Like God, we have the ability to create and we have the ability to destroy with our words. Some things need to be destroyed. 
Tumors need to be destroyed. Cancers need to be destroyed. And they can be destroyed with faith-filled words. Hallelujah. Romans says the answer is as close as believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. So even if you're just starting out, and even if you don't believe it yet, just keep saying it till faith comes. Just keep saying it till faith comes, and when you get to the place where you believe it, it is going to happen. So get a hold of your mouth and start the process of turning your life around. What if you said, I will pay off every debt? What if you just said that all the time? You kept saying it, you kept believing it, you didn't doubt in your heart, what would happen? You would pay off every debt. Amen. According to Jesus. This is not me. According to Jesus, if you keep saying it and you keep believing it, it will happen. What if you said my body is whole and strong? I'm healed from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I can do anything I want to do. I can go anywhere I want to go. I can eat anything I want to eat. What if you kept saying that and you believed it and you didn't doubt in your heart, but you just kept saying it and believing it, saying it and believing it? What did Jesus, the head of the church, say would happen? You would have it. Amen. Folks, I'm telling you, this is one of the most powerful things in the Bible. This is one of the most powerful things. And when you get a hold of this, the devil is going to lose control over your life. And this is why he tries to keep a cloud over it and he wants to keep uh, people away from it because he knows his days of control will be over with. Let's practice right now. Let's say things go well for me. Things go well for me. I have great favor. I have great favor. People just look at me. And they like me. And they want to do things for me. And they don't even know why. Things just flow for me. Amen. What if you just said things like this all the time and you didn't doubt it? You just believed in your heart and you kept saying it. According to Jesus, you would have whatever you say. And when you really believe this and it starts getting real to you, your faith is going to rise and you're going to notice there's more faith in your words. And the more faith there is in your words, the stronger and the faster these things will come to pass. And so that's all the more reason why you don't want to say the wrong things. Because the more faith you get in your words, the wrong things will also start happening quicker and faster. Besides that, the whole world is already going toward death and destruction anyway. They're already headed in that destruction. So we're going upstream in a downstream world. You can speak with more authority and expectation. Hallelujah. So when you really begin to believe that in your words, the significance of your words, that, that you will have what you believe in your heart, then there are some things you would not say for any amount of money. I mean, people couldn't say you to say 
some things because you know they would come to pass. You know what you say comes to pass, so you wouldn't dare say. They could offer you 10,000 pounds, say so and so. Say, no, I'm not saying that. If I say that, it's going to come to pass. So, let's say this out loud. I believe in the words of Jesus. I believe in the words of Jesus. I believe in Mark 11, 23. I believe in Mark 11, 23. Now, some people might say, well, this doesn't work for everybody. I'm sure you're going to run across people that say that. This doesn't work for everybody. Oh, yes, it does. It works for Christians. It works for non-Christians. It works for Baptists. It works for Methodists. It works for Catholics. It works for Pentecostals. It works for Anglicans. It works for everybody. Now, when people say that, what they really mean is, it doesn't work positively for me. It's working, but it's just not working positively for them. Watch out for phrases like this. I always, I never. Be very selective about the words you put after those phrases. You do not want to say, I always get the flu at this time of year. You do not want to say that. You want to say, I'm always in the right place at the right time. I'm always, I always triumph. I never get defeated. I never run out of money. Amen? Hallelujah? That's what you want to say. Hallelujah. I always have favor. Watch out when you say, my. My allergies my arthritis, my high blood pressure. Watch out for these. My high temper. We don't think about things like that, do we? You know, this just runs in my family. My father had it, his grandfather had it, and his father had it. Well, you can be the one to stop it from running in your family. Amen? You have revelation your father didn't have, his father didn't have, and his father didn't have. They didn't know these things, but you know you've got revelation now, and you can stop these things from running in your family so that they don't go to your kids and grandkids and so forth. And, you know, in recent years, past years, there was a lot of talk about generational curses. You know, I don't hear quite so much about it now, but... Uh, there was a big deal about generational curses and all these things for breaking generational curses. I believe the primary way curses are passed from one generation to the other is through the words of your mouth. That's how it's passed down. The kids hear their parents say it. It's passed down. My father had it. His father had it. My father was an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic. It just runs in our family. They're passing it on to the next generation through the words of their mouth. You can stop it. Watch out for I can't. You do not want to say, I can't hear from God. You definitely don't want to say that. I can't wear perfume. If I wear perfume, I break out in a rash. I can't eat so-and-so. 
I break out in a rash. They say it, they believe it, they have it. Uh, in Brother Hagen's healing school, they had a man come there who loved seafood. But every time he ate seafood, he broke out in hives all over his body, whelps. He'd have to go to the doctor. And he finally came to the place where he just said, forget it, and he quit eating seafood. He went to Brother Hagen's healing school, and they were talking about these kinds of things. We're talking about faith, and the, uh, releasing faith, and speaking words, right words, and so forth. And after about the first week, he got it. I mean, the light became, began to come on. And he came back the next week, and he said, I have eaten two big lobster dinners, and I have not had one bump on my body. Amen? Praise God. So, be selective in your words. James said, your mouth is the rudder that turns the ship. You know, you might say, well, it's just my system. Your system can change. Your immune system can change. Your joints can change. Your blood pressure can change. Your heart can change. Uh, I've got a, a little short article here. Uh, I'll read along these lines. This is a medical doctor, Dr. Carl Sandberg. I think he's from Arkansas, actually, but... Um, it's called the Wellness Report, How to Be a Healthy Specimen. And most of it is talking about what you believe and what you think, but he does mention what you say. So I'm going to uh, just read it here. He says, to be healthy, it is imperative that you believe you're healthy or soon will be. It is almost impossible to be healthy if you think you're sick or if you think you're going to be sick. Your defense against illness starts in your mind. Your mind directs the healing activities of the body through nerve impulses, through circulating chemicals in the bloodstream. Researchers have found that your white blood cells have little receptors on them so that your brain can tell them what to do. This is one of the reasons to use pain medication very sparsely. Pain medication fools the brain into thinking that there's no problem. So the brain fails to direct the healing process properly. If you believe you're going to be well, you're much more likely to do the things that will result in wellness both consciously and subconsciously. On the flip side of this, if you believe you're going to be sick, you'll think, see, and say things that will cause you to be sick. In other words, you're going to have what you say. Much of our activity throughout each day is directed by the brain on a subconscious level. When we believe in our wellness, the brain works toward wellness in many ways that we are completely unaware of. On the other hand, if we believe in our sickness, our brain simply ignores many healing activities. 
This subconscious neurological programming of the body is the whole basis of voodoo. Now I found that very interesting. When people believe they're going to get sick, they get sick and even die. Optimistic thoughts are mandatory for good health. Amen? Do I need to say more? And I would say most of what most of that he did not learn in medical school. He may have learned about the white blood cells in the brain, but the rest of it he did not learn. They do not teach those things in medical school. He learned that from right here. That's where he learned it. Praise God. So, let's say together, I can eat anything I want to eat. I can go anywhere I want to go. I can do anything I want to do. Amen. Where's Joshua Ben? Is Lily asleep? Abby's asleep? Okay. I'm not praying, I'm saying, okay? You can learn anything you want to learn. You can learn anything you need to learn. Okay? You can learn in accordance with the will of God for your life. You can do anything you want to do. Okay? You listening? You can do anything you want to do in accordance with God's will for your life. You can learn anything you want to learn, anything you need to learn. Amen? Mm -hmm. I'm not taking it back. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have been redeemed from arthritis, allergies, high blood pressure. We're making a demand on what Jesus has already bought and paid for. And according to James 3, when you change what you are saying, you change your life. This is not positive thinking. This is the Bible. Let's say this together. According to the Bible, I can control my body with my mouth. Amen. So if you get a bad report, don't just accept it. Go to work on it with your word. It's your body. You're in charge. You say, I, you're my eye. You're going to see properly. Knee, you're my knee. You're going to work properly. Heart, you're my heart. You're going to be normal. Amen? Uh, Norval Hayes, he's a good faith preacher. He was preaching somewhere, and he had a woman come up to him afterward. She had been diagnosed with cancer and only a few weeks to live. And he said to her, Lady, if you can get your heart and your mouth straightened out, you can live. And she was interested. She wanted to be free. Just like that cigarette man. I need to point out, that man wanted to be free of cigarettes. Now, everybody doesn't want to be. They enjoy their smoking or whatever their habit is. But if you want to be free, you can be free. And this woman wanted to be free. She wanted to live. And I mean, she went home. She canceled all of her appointments. She, you know, put everything aside. And she began to say all day, every day, I'm free from cancer. Cancer, you cannot kill me. I'm going to live, 
and not die. Cancer, you cannot kill me. And she said that all day long, every day, and a few weeks later, she was, wasn't any worse. She's still alive. She didn't even allow anybody uh, to come around her that she knew was not in agreement, that they did not understand what she was doing. She didn't allow anybody to come around. She did this for months. Cancer, you can't kill me. I'm going to live and not die. Six months later, she's still alive. Six months later, she's still alive, and she did that until she was totally, completely free from cancer. Amen? Amen. So, you can command cancer to die with faith-filled words. She did Mark 11, 23. She said it, she believed it, and what happened? She had what she said. Amen. Amen. Now, um, let's go to Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs is, uh, when you hear the word Proverbs, what's, what's the kind of main characteristic of the book of Proverbs that you think of? Wisdom. Yeah, wisdom. It's writings of wisdom. And Proverbs is full of scriptures on the mouth of a wise person and the mouth of a foolish person. What wise people say and do and what foolish people say and do. And I went through Proverbs and I put a T next to every verse that has something to do with your tongue or your mouth. And it's just a little quick reference guide. So when you're flipping through Proverbs, every time you see a T, you know that's a scripture that has something to do with your mouth or your words. Now, wisdom uses knowledge and understanding to understand the outcome of today's actions on tomorrow. Wisdom has to do with the future. And, <coughs> excuse me, a, a, a wise person will, uh, they will regard, they will, they will take stock and they will analyze in advance uh, their actions and they'll say, if I do this and I do this, this is going to be the result. I'm not going to do that. And they'll, they'll um, think about the consequences tomorrow before they act or say. Now, a foolish person doesn't do that. A foolish person, person says, okay, this may be negative consequences and outcome, I don't care. I want instant gratification today. I'll deal with the consequences tomorrow. That's a foolish person. So a wise person considers the cause and the effect of their actions today on tomorrow. A person who understands the significance of their words is called wise. They are selective about their words. They are in control of their words. 
A person who does not regard their words as important and significant is called a fool according to the Bible. Now, one of the wisest things you can do for tomorrow is to change what you are saying today. Our lives today are the result of what we have spoken in the past. Words are like seeds planted in the human spirit. Now, if you don't think what you say is significant, listen to this story. I ran across this several months ago, and it just really thrilled me. You've probably heard of Thomas Edison. Um, he had uh, more than uh, a thousand patents in America on his inventions. I think worldwide he had over 2,000 patents for his inventions. He's most known for his invention of the incandescent light bulb the phonograph, and one of the earliest motion picture cameras. And uh, when he was small, he came home from school one day with a note from his teacher to give to his mother. And he handed the note to his mother, and she opened it up, and uh, she said, what does it, he said, what does it say? And she read, um, your son is a genius. Our school is too small and our teachers are not good enough to help him develop to his full potential. Therefore, you need to teach him at home. So from that point onward, she did teach him at home. She taught him at home and many years later, as an adult, after he had achieved much success. Um, one day he was going through some of his mother's possessions and he came across this note that he had brought home from school when he was small. And he opened up the note and this is what it said. Your son is mentally deficient. It is a waste of our time, and you, therefore, he is expelled from school. Now, when he read that note and closed it, he opened his diary, and he wrote, Thomas Alva Edison, one of the greatest inven inventors of the 20th century, was taught at home by his mother. Now, that woman knew the significance of words. I would say she had probably read the book of Proverbs and she knew the significance of words and she did not let those words out of her mouth when she saw them on that piece of paper. There was no way she was going to let him ever hear those words. Now that, that really thrilled me. Parents, you listening up? You listen up, you know what to say and what not to say. That was a wise woman. Amen? Proverbs 6, verse 2. Proverbs 6, verse 2. How many other Thomas Edison's you figure were out there? You know? 
that it went the other way. You know? Proverbs 6 2. And we're going to look at some verses here in uh, Proverbs. I don't know if we'll get through all of this or not, but if we don't, we'll take up next time. We want to ask ourselves two questions. Is this really true? And am I doing this? Is this really true? Am I doing this? You know, we say, oh yeah, it's true, it's in the Bible. But is it really true to us? Proverbs 6, 2. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. In the expanded Bible, it says, you might or will get trapped by what you say. You might or will be caught by your own words or what you say. The man with the cigarettes, the cigarettes weren't his problem. His words were the problem. He, he was bound up by his words. Proverbs 10, 19. <clears throat> Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. When you're stretched and the pressure's on, that's when you really have to bite your lip. Most people don't associate their mouth with sin. This says... Uh, in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. The message paraphrase says, The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. The complete Jewish Bible says, When words are many, sin is not lacking. So he who controls his speech is wise. So... The more people just talk and just, you know, chatter idle words, there's no substance to it, just the more they go on and on and on, the more likely they are to say something wrong, you know? They just speak the first thing that crosses their mind. They don't, they're not selective in their words. They're much more likely to say something wrong. The Good News Translation says, the more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. If you are wise, you will keep quiet. That's a good one. You don't have to turn there, but write down Ecclesiastes 5, 2 to 3. I'll just read it. It says, be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty, to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. So according to these scriptures, when you hear somebody who just never shuts up, they're just yak, 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 yak. And, you know, it, there's no substance to it. They're just idle chatter. They just go on and on and on and on. What does that tell you? 
foolish, isn't it? <laughs> According to the Bible, I remember the very first time Brother Copeland had a believers convention in Birmingham. And I went and I thought, you know, I've really been blessed by this ministry. I'd like to give something back and help in some way. So I volunteered yeah. on, to be on like the prayer team or whatever. Well, that's the last time I ever volunteered. <laughs> but anyway, I remember, you know, people could come between sessions and lunchtime and all. But I had this one girl come and she cornered me and she went on and on and on and on about her problems and people in her cell group and they did this and, you know, she didn't think it was right and all, on and on and on. When I'd say, well, the word says so-and-so, and she would just take off again. <laughs> uh, the word says so-and-so, she'd just take off. Well, anyway, she left. The next day, she was back with somebody else over in the corner. And I bet she was going around the same circle again with them. I saw her in there about three times that week with different people. And I, she just went on and on and on and on. So, yak, 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 you know? Hallelujah. Romans 14, 23 says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. According to the Bible, to talk unbelief is sin. Which verse is that? Right? Romans 14, 23. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Whenever you hear somebody say, well, I heard so-and-so about so-and-so, you know, just say, well, we, you know, let's pray. Let's pray for that person, and we believe God's going to help them, and we believe they're a good person, and God's just going to help them. Amen? Praise God. Don't just jump in there and, and uh, you know, be selective about what you say. Proverbs 12, 6. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. That man trying to get free from cigarettes was going from one meeting and one church to another and one preacher to another, and his deliverance was in his mouth the whole time. <coughs> deliverance from habits and chronic problems are in the mouth. Romans 10 says it's as close as in your heart and in your mouth. Verse 14, Proverbs 12, 14. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. The New Living Translation says wise words bring many benefits. The uh, complete Jewish Bible says, one can be filled with good as the result of one's words. Verse 18, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The New Century Version says, careless words stab like a sword but wise words bring healing. The Common English Bible says, some chatter on like a stabbing sword, but a wise tongue heals. 
We can speak healing into our bodies. Even science recognizes that you can talk to your plants and they will improve. They have known that for many years. You're a good plant. You're a beautiful plant. And that, that plant will start brightening up. Even science understands that. We can speak healing into a situation. Amen? We're in the healing business. So we're going to speak words that build up people and edify. I believe in you. You're going to make it. Amen? And when you say, I'm going to make it, you know, all the rest of us in here are going to jump up and we're going to say, we're with you. You're right. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. We're with you. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what, we're, that's what we do. Verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. The Living Bible says, Anxious hearts are very heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. Let's say this together. I'm an encourager of the brethren. Amen? That's why it's important for us to come here. Amen? Proverbs 13 Two and three. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The New Living Translation says, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Those who control their tongue have a long life. So uh, it's not all up to God, is it? It's not all up to God. The New Century Version says, Those who are careful about what they say protect their lives. But whoever speaks without thinking will be ruined. So, you, you know, uh, you don't always have to give like an immediate response to someone or an answer. If somebody asks you a question or something, take a minute to think about what you're going to say before you answer them. You know, um, you don't have to just say the first thing that comes across your mind. And depending on what it is, you, you sure don't want to say the first thing that comes across your mind. But, you know, if you have to, say, I'll come back to you later with that. You know, I'll come back to you in a few minutes or something. You don't have to answer every question that's asked you. Jesus did not answer every question that was asked of him. Sometimes he answered a question with another question. He just put the ball back into their court. That was the wisdom of God. You remember the time when they brought the woman caught in adultery? I still hadn't figured out how you commit adultery by yourself. You know what I mean? Where, where was the man? You know? Why didn't they bring the man as well? But they only brought the woman to him. And uh, they said, Moses says, she ought to be stoned. What do you say, preacher? 
Jesus didn't answer anything at first, did he? He waited a few minutes before he gave any answer. He, he kneeled down on the ground and he started writing something in the, in the ground and he waited till he had the words from God before he gave a reply. So you don't have to answer everything instantly. Be selective about what you say. If you're not sure what to say, just don't say anything. Just don't say anything. Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Can you talk your way into poverty? Yes. Yep. So if you can talk your way into poverty, is it possible to talk your way out of poverty and into prosperity? Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the sad thing is, uh, a lot of you know Christians, people that love God, hardworking people, you know, have always worked hard, but they undermine their hard work with the words in their mouth. They work hard. They may work two or three jobs. They may work long hours. And they say, you know, well, we just can't ever get ahead, you know. Uh, things are tight. The economy's bad and all this. And they're hard workers. But they're undermining their hard work with their mouth. The contemporary English version says, hard work is worthwhile. But empty talk will make you poor. Sometimes, you know, I've gone into work, uh, you know, I'm putting my coat away or whatever, and somebody else walks in and they put their coat away in the locker and they say, well, another day, another dollar. And I thought, well, if you want to work all day for a dollar, go ahead, but not me. I'm not working all day for a dollar, you know? But they have, you know, it just comes out. It just comes out, idle words. And idle words are usually negative words. Hallelujah. I think we'll uh, just do one more here and we'll take up next time. Proverbs uh, 15, 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. The Good News Translation says, Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. So words contain things. So we want to be careful about what we put in our words. We want our words to be full of faith and love and goodness and healing. And people look forward to seeing you coming. Amen? They know when they see you coming, they're going to hear words of faith. They're going to hear words of encouragement. They're going to hear kind words. Amen? So I have to remember that when I walk out front sometimes. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Have you ever walked into a room? And you could tell by the atmosphere that somebody just had a fight or an argument before you got there. Yeah. Words are containers. The Living Bible says gentle words cause life and health. Griping brings discouragement. 
So when you're in a store or somewhere and there's confusion and people are griping, you know, you're up at the till or people are griping and complaining, they've run out of something, they're demanding on the staff, something like that, you don't have to show a, say a lot, but when it's your turn to get up there, just minister some peace into those people's lives with some kind words. Amen? Just be a witness. You can change the whole atmosphere with your words. And you can have peace on your face and peace on your words, and it can change the whole atmosphere. Amen? Now, I think we're, we're not finished, but we're going to stop there today, and we'll carry on next time. Let's stand up and let's say this out loud. I believe in the power of faith. I believe in the power of my words. I believe in God's words. I believe in my words. I have power and authority to create and to destroy through faith-filled words. I can mold and shape my tomorrow with my words. I can change my body with my words. I can change my habits with my words. I can change my finances with my words. I can change my relationships my whole life with my words. Things are getting better for me. I'm coming up. I'm moving forward. I am not bound. I am free. I am totally free in Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.